Thank you, Brother Borders. You may be seated. <clears throat> Certainly deem this a great privilege to be here tonight. And I don't know whether I can pronounce the name right, Santa Maria. I guess, guess that's the way you pronounce it. And it's my first opportunity to be here in this lovely city and enjoying the atmosphere of good fellowship and fine weather. We come through Phoenix the other day when it was around about 111. When we got up here, why, I was about ready to hump my overcoat up. <laughs> is that, this is the climate the year around about like this? Somebody said it was this way practically all the time. You haven't got an empty house around here, have you? That you'd like to rent out for a while? Amen. This is just a, a real a fine place to live, this kind of a weather here. I, Someone was telling me in the restaurant uh, today, said, why, our hottest time of the year is around December, said, uh, is barbecuing something out in the backyard for Christmas. Now, if you used to my country, you barbecued in the backyard, you'd have an overcoat on <laughs> and uh, earmuffs and sit down on a chunk of ice somewhere to, to barbecue. <clears throat> it's fine that God has so fixed this earth that we can... All be happy if we would just try to be that way, live happily and, and be thankful to him for what we have. I'm quite sure that one of the great faults with us is that we're not grateful enough for what we have. He has been so good to us to give us so many good things, and, and we, uh, we just don't seem to appreciate it as much as we should. I've had the opportunity to travel quite a bit around the world several times, and and seeing the other nations and the people and how they, um, how they have to live and everything. There's an old saying, it's great to be an American. Well, that's just a little more than a saying. That's a truth. That's really a fact. It is. Right. Uh, when we can get plenty to eat and, and at peace and our little troubles are minor and we're almost living in a millennium. If it, we just get sin out of the way, I believe it would be a millennium there. But the, we are happy, oh, to have this nation. We don't know how much longer we'll be able to have it this way, but we trust that it'll be until the Lord Jesus come. This is our last great hold of civilization, we believe, and see other nations, how they've raised and fell, and we see ours going the same route. So we are, we're sad about that, but yet we know that that only speaks that we have a city and a nation will never perish. Not long ago, I went to a tree where I used to go when I was a little boy. And it was such a beautiful big tree. It, it was um, what we call in the east there, the Middle East, a uh, beech tree. And they're a long-life tree and very pretty when they stand out where they're not smothered in with other trees and shaped up. And uh, I thought, that tree will be standing for several generations. But you know... It's just a snag now. And uh, I remember being when I was seven or eight years old, there used to be a spring below it. I used to go to drink out of that spring. The spring's even dried up. The tree's gone. I remember the old house we used to live in. It was a log house. We had a little... Uh, Mama had a piece of looking glass, a marriage. She had tacked up on a tree out there where we had a little wash bench. And we'd come in out of the field and wash. And they had an old meal sack. And Mama had fixed for a towel. I don't know where you people ever had to live like that or not. But uh, uh, we Kentuckians had pretty hard times. So I remember she used to pull the strings out of the bottom of it and make little 
fringes like to hang down. And that rough towel, and when us kids get a bath with that, whew, have to be rubbed, you just take the hide off almost. And, uh, and I used to see my father, a small man, yet strong. He was a, a logger, and he'd come in, roll up his sleeves. When he'd go to wash, he was then, I guess, in his 20s, 25, 30 years old, and had great, huge muscles and strong. I heard a man tell me, his last year, a man he used to work for said, he seen him load a 900-pound ash log by himself. And I thought the arm of that man, I said, my, he'll live 150 years. But you know, he died at 52. It just shows that here we have no continuing city, but we're seeking one to come. That's right. We're seeking one which will last forever. And now, Christian friends, <clears throat> this being my first time among you here in, in your city, and uh, I deem it a great privilege that your pastors has invited me to come. And I'm here to do all that I can for the kingdom of God. And I'm not much of a preacher, I'm a, but I love the Lord. If a good preacher loves him any better than I do, my ignorance, I just wonder how they get by with it. Just <laughs> be able to stand it because sometimes I get, this gets to, so much love in my heart for him, I just can't hardly stand still. And this just isn't something since I begin to get old. I started this when I was just a boy. Just a little boy. I gave my life to the Lord Jesus and served him ever since. And it, each day, as I know I'm nearing the shores on the other side, it gets sweeter each day. I just love him as the years go by. And I come to place my fellowship and with you, brethren and sisters, and all of us together to pull for the kingdom of God, to have the blessings of God with us, and to bring the little message that the Lord has given me to you, and hear your message God has given you back for me, and we will pray for the sick people and see if there's anybody that wants to join this great rank. Not a denomination, just a fellowship with Christ. See? We don't represent any denomination. We're for all of them. Nothing against any of them, but for ourselves, we just stand independent. And as I said the other day, we are here saining together. Now, the, Jesus said, the kingdom of God is likened to a man who took a net and cast it into the sea. And when he'd pulled uh, the net, tuck in the net, he had all kinds. Of course, he had good fish and scavenger fish and crawfish and turtles and snakes and frogs and everything that's in the water. But... That's what the revival catches. Amen. See, that is right. So our brethren here has been saining on their corner and down on the next corner saining. And now I come to put my sane with theirs so we can reach way around, all the way around the city and pull for everything that we can. And that's what we're here for, to pull together to see we just can't afford to, uh, but what, after knowing what we know about Christ, it's put every effort we can. We don't want nobody to miss that glorious place that he's gone to prepare. Amen. <clears throat> Pardon me. And uh, we are here to help. Now, I will try. And uh, they say that there hasn't been any of the brethren, I don't think, here, or the big evangelists like uh, Brother Billy Graham, Noel Roberts, and those great evangelists. And um, I wish I probably some of you have heard them. And I, um, I suppose, being a small city, and there has to be quite a bit of finance connected with a big meeting like that, and I guess Brother Roberts' finances each day runs better than ten, twelve thousand dollars $12,000 a day, 
for his television, radio, and so forth. And I guess Billy Graham's runs that or maybe more. Now, how could those men come to a little small place like this? They, they couldn't do it, see. But when the Lord called me, he, you know, I, I never did start in any radio or, or television or anything. So I'd be, you know, bound down so that I could go anywhere the Lord called me because I don't need no money. So I just, I just uh, don't have no programs to sponsor, nothing at all. And just to go and fellowship with the people and wherever the Lord would call me to go. And I've he's had grand privileges. I preached just recently a two nights revival in a church that held twenty. And I was in Bombay, India, where we had five hundred thousand at one meeting. And Durban, South Africa, about two hundred and twenty five thousand, where I've seen thirty thousand raw heathens accept Christ as Savior in one altar call. Amen. And I see him taking about seven big van loads and them vans, my, that would be a Jeep up the side of them big African vans there of just wheelchairs, crutches and things. The natives had packed each other down out of the, the jungles. And the next morning when Sidney Smith, the mayor of, of Durban, South Africa, called me and said, go to Wyndham, watch out towards the seashore. And here come a string of people with where 25,000 miracles had been performed at one prayer. And there they was with their Hallelujah. crutches and wheelchairs. And the natives, which was at war at one another, a week beforehand, was walking down. had been laying on those crutches and braces and so forth. The next day, walking down with peace, arms around one another, singing, All things are possible, only believe in the natives. That's what the whole world ought to be doing tonight. All of us with one heart and one accord, just singing the glorious gospel of the Lord Jesus. And now, in... The message that I have, I will try to make it just as simple as possible because being the first time it maybe people has been in the meetings and it may seem a little strange to you at first. And if it does, I just ask you if you'll bear with me a little, see, and always search out what I say. If it isn't exactly with the scripture, don't believe it. See, because now God can do things that's not written in the Bible. He's God. He can do anything he wants to, see. But as long as I see him doing just what he's promised to do, that'll be fair enough for me. That's all right. Then I know I'm on the right path. And as long as it's in the Scripture, God promised to do it. And the way he did it and the way he does it, and I believe, here's what I believe, that if he ever was God, he's still God. See? And if he isn't the same God that he was, then he wasn't God. See, because he's, if he's God, he's got to be infinite, infinite. And then if he's infinite, he's perfect. And if God ever does anything, see, if he, just remember now, if God ever does anything in the way he does it, he can never change that way. Because you see, he's perfect. Now I can do something and you can do something. And next year we, we got a little better idea. See, because we learned a little more. And maybe in ten years, we're way smarter than we were. But not God. He's infinite. See, He's perfect to begin with. And, and if God's ever called to make a decision, and the decision that He makes has to forever remain that way, He can't do it this way one time, and this way another, take this one and refuse that one. The way he acts the first time, if he doesn't act that way every time, he acted wrong the first time, see, because he's God. 
He can never change his way because he's God. And then he's infinite, omnipresent, omnipotent. And in order to be God, he has to be all those things. So he believed that. And now, <clears throat> and I'll try in explaining the scriptures and reading and everything, making it just as simple as I know how to, to make it. And then, now, and follow it close in the scripture. And then I will ask you to support me with prayer. Because, and wouldn't it be wonderful if there would be right in this little city of Santa Maria, a great revival breakout at all the churches would be... And people be flowing in across these mountains from down across the hills, coming in to see the glory of God. And all the churches just on fire for God and, and the little differences pushed away and everybody one heart and one accord. Well, that would be wonderful. And this thing, little Santa Maria up around the lake coast would be the one that was, had this revival. Now, it's not only probable, but it's possible that it could happen. Depends on the attitude that we take. Now, God always sends his gifts and things into the generations, into the churches, and whatever attitude the people takes, that's the results of what they get. We know that. You, God doesn't push himself on anyone. You have to want him. Now, nobody can explain God. You have to accept God by faith, because if it isn't faith, then it isn't God. If I could explain God, then I would be equal with him. And uh, we cannot do that. We don't attempt to. But the little things that he's given us, we just take his promise and believe it and watch it work out just exactly the way he said it would do it. And if we'll do that, I'm sure we'll see the glory of God. Now, I don't want to keep you late at night. <clears throat> just so I know you're a working man and, and I've worked all my life. So I, I know what it is to have to go home and get up early in the morning and after sitting in a meeting and... I have had some awful long ones, so, but we'll try to get through each night, say, now it's 20 minutes until 9 by this time, and I suppose maybe your service is usually out around 9.30, and that'll give you time to go home and, and get your rest and get back tomorrow night. Get on the phone and call somebody and get the sick and afflicted in, and don't, don't come in like you was just, just rush in like this and rush back out. You miss it a hundred miles. Yeah. See, see? Yeah. If you had to go to Mayo Brothers... You know, for an examination to find out what was wrong with you. The first thing, you'd have to call and get an appointment, and that'd probably take you two or three months before you get an appointment. And then you'll go there and stay in the hospital, maybe for a week or ten days in the hospital. And they don't do a thing for you but examine you. And then when you're through all that after months, under sweat and trial and medicines and, oh my, everything, then they only tell you what's wrong with you. See, that's right. And yet the people clamor from everywhere to find out what's wrong with them. One, if you'll just believe God with all your heart, it'll be over in a minute. See? If you just, see? That's right. And it, you have to believe it all. And now remember, only by faith we believe it and watch it act. And then each night, the scriptures that I use, sometimes I write out several scriptures here to refer to. And if I refer to these scriptures and what you see taking place, if it doesn't seem natural to you, go home and check it with the Bible. Then you owe it to me, if it isn't God's promise, to come back and tell me about it. And lay it up here on my desk and say, Brother Branham, that's not right. That's not scripture. See? And if it's, it is scripture, then, it's, then you owe it to yourself to believe it, don't you? For, for it's God. Right. <clears throat> now, 
before we take up too much time now, and I want to thank my brethren again, I suppose these ministers and so forth along here, I appreciate it, and you laity and dip, members of different parts of the body. We are sojourners here. We're pilgrims. And we come to visit you who are sojourning. We are waiting for the coming of the Lord. Here we've no continuing city. We're going from place to place and waiting for the coming of the Lord. Day by day we grow older and older and don't know what minute, whether we're young or old, that our life can be snapped like that. Then we've got to meet God. And there, this is our preparation time. So let us prepare now to meet the Lord when he comes. Now, let us bow our heads and speak to the author before we read his word. Now, with our heads bowed and our hearts likewise, I wonder in the building tonight, before we start, if there would be those here that would like to just raise up their hand to God and say, God, now, during this meeting, I have a need. Would you supply my need, Lord? I'm going to raise up my hand. And just for this, God bless you everywhere. He sees what's under your hand in your heart. Our Heavenly Father, we are now approaching the throne of Thy grace. Now, we would not come by the throne of justice because if we'd get justice, we'd all die. We could not come by the throne of judgment, but we have been bidden to come by the throne of grace with a promise that our Lord told us, if you ask the Father anything in my name, I will, it'll be granted. Now, we know that that's true. It has to be true. It's the Word. And we believe this Bible to be your infallible Word. Every word of it is of God. And we hold on to it and cherish it with all our hearts. Thou knowest how we appreciate this time of fellowship here in this lovely little city and these fine brothers and sisters. We're reminded of the early days when the apostles met together, when their numbers were small, but how the Holy Ghost came among them and did great outstanding things because the church were assembled together. That was the early apostolic Catholic church, way back from the beginning at Pentecost. We pray, Heavenly Father, that as this apostolic Catholic church has gathered together that you will return tonight in the form of the Holy Spirit. Two thousand years since your crucifixion for our redemption, the appropriation of our, for our iniquity, providing a water of separation by the washing of the water by the Word, and now to make your Word alive, quicken it, and bring it to pass, it takes a living, resurrected God to do that. And now, Heavenly Father, we would ask tonight that your presence would be so great among us that when we leave this building tonight, this little gathering, even on the first night, may we say like those who came from Emmaus that time after the resurrection that morning, you'd walked with them all day long, talked with them, yet they did not recognize you. And Father, I'm sure some of us and many of us and practically all of us here, have walked with you and you've walked with us, and yet we were not conscious of it. But when the evening time come, when the toils of the day had finished, you gathered them in together and the doors was closed and then you were shut in with them. Then you did something just like you did it before the crucifixion. And they recognized 
by the way you'd done it, and that was you. And they, then you vanished out of their sight. And they hurried home over to their other comrades and said, Truly the Lord has risen. Won't you tonight, Father, as we have assembled together and closed the doors around us, won't you appear in our midst and do something tonight like you did when you walked in Galilee and Capernaum and different parts of the world, that this little audience and all of us together might see the proof of the resurrection, the great Messiah of God lives after 2,000 years through critics and dark places, but yet they cannot kill him anymore. He lives forevermore. Grant it, Father, and may we, as we go home tonight, say along the road as we go, did not our hearts burn within us as he spoke to us along the way? For we asked it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Now, in St. John, the 12th chapter and the 20th verse, we read for a little background, for a context. And there were certain Greeks uh, among them that came up to worship at the feast. The same came, therefore, to Philip, which was a Bethsaida of Galilee, and desired him, saying, Sir, we would see Jesus. And then in Hebrews 13, 8, <coughs> pardon me, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, this is quite a text, and for a little uh, background, we might say that these Greeks had the same curiosity that I have tonight, and I believe we'd all have. There's no one that ever heard about Jesus but what longs to see him. If I would say to this little audience tonight, how many of you would love to see Jesus? I suppose every hand in here would go up. That's right. Let's just test it. How many would like to see him? Let's see. See there? Sure, you've heard of him. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing the word of God. Now, we'd all love to see him. Sure, I'd love to see him. Well, now, if he, that would place us in the same position that those Greeks were. They came to Jesus and said, uh, came to the disciples and said, Sir, sir, we would see Jesus. We, that's their desire. We would see Jesus, and Philip took him over and, um, and brought him uh, to Jesus, he and another apostle, and they got to see Jesus. Now, Hebrews 13, 8 said that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if we desire to see him, why cannot we have the same privilege that they have? Now, you see, the Scriptures cannot lie. They have to be truth. See, they have to be truth. Amen. Now, if the Bible said he's the same, that he's got to be the same. Now, I don't believe the Bible is any private interpretation. I believe it's just the way it's written. I believe that God will have to have some standard that he'll judge the world by. Now, I, if you all know, being an Irishman, I came from a Catholic family background. And now when I was a young boy, of course, my father and mother both married out of church and out of the Catholic church, and therefore they wasn't, didn't belong to anything. And you've read my life story, perhaps, if you haven't, the books are here. A brother has them here for sale and so forth. Now, 
And then in that, when I got a call from God, I began to wonder. Now, then when I went to the church, the church says that God will judge the world by the church. Well, I come to find out there's about 900 different churches. And one says they're right and the other's wrong, and they're right and the other's wrong. Now, it's a bit confusing that way. Now, if the Lutheran's right, then the Baptist is wrong. If the Baptist is right, then the Methodist is wrong. And then they got so much different. So then in the whole thing, I seen there was a confusion. How could God ever let them bring a people to a judgment so perfect and then so many different outlets? One this way and one that way. One says, this is all right. And I said, no, it's not. And this and this way and that. It would be a bit confusing. And um, I, could, I don't, couldn't believe that a kind Heavenly Father would do a thing like that. So then I thought, well, what did He first put judgment on people by? How did He give them? That was in the, go, to go back to Genesis. So Genesis is the seed chapter, which means beginning. And the first thing that God put before man was obey His Word. And just one little slip, not a whole great big chapter, but just misconstruing the word, just twisting it a little bit, Satan did, by reasoning. And it caused the whole, every heartache it ever was, every sickness, every death, every little uh, sick baby, every grave on the hillside, just to disbelieve one little word, just not exactly throw it out, but just misquoted it. This reason, isn't it reasonable that God wouldn't do such a thing, he said. But God said he would do it. See? And then if God let all this 6,000 years of suffering just because of just taking one word and and misguiding it and caused all of this, how is he going to let us go back with another word all misguided? So with 960-something different denominations... How can we judge by that? Everyone's saying this way or that way. Then I read in the book, or over in the last part of the book of the Bible, it said, He that will take anything out of this book or add one thing to it, the same will be taken out of his part of the book of life. That's the clergy, denominations, or so forth that, that misquote the word or put dogmas in instead of Scripture and so forth and man's own ideas for their own achievement. It must be exactly God's Word. Amen. Just exactly the way He said it. Right. Now, I know many of us don't have faith, and I don't have faith to make all of His promises come to true, pass, but I sure wouldn't stand in the way of somebody that did have that kind of faith. As I've often said, I wish I had enough faith like Enoch had to take a little afternoon walk and go up home with him. I wish I could have that kind of faith. But uh, if I haven't got it, I won't stand in somebody else's way that has got it. I say, thank God for that precious brother or sister who has faith to walk right out of life without dying. And that would be wonderful. But we believe that there is coming a time that when there will be an afternoon or a morning walk of some kind, and there will be many on earth will be caught away in the rapture at the coming of the Lord. And I believe we're nearing that time. Now, now the Bible saying that he is the same. That's what I'm trying to get to you, that you must realize this, that... The Bible said Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the Greeks wanted to see him. And they were taken to him by one of his disciples. 
then would it not be possible, if he is the same, for another true disciple to take you to him? Yes. Let us see him. Yes. Now, it's been the cry of the human heart since the dawn of time to see God. Job, the oldest book in the Bible, the claim was wrote before Moses wrote Genesis. Now, that Moses, or Job cried out, Oh, that I might know, in other words, know where he lives at. If I could knock on the door, yeah. if I could talk to you, yeah, see, if I could just see somewhere and I could go knock on the door, I'd like to reason it out with him. Yeah. Every man is trying to look uh, past that curtain, knows that he come from somewhere out of the darkness, knows that he's here in human life, and he's crossing back through there again somewhere. Yeah. Right. So every man is trying to find out what is the door and how to where we come from and where we're going. It's always been the cry of the human heart. And yet, if we would stop just for a moment, he's so real around us until there's... Why, he's just everywhere. God is... He lives in every creature that's got life in it. He's living there. Every plant, every flower, everything else, God lives in it. But now, instead of going into that, which we might later, I want to get this point to you. Now... If Jesus was in Santa, Santa Maria tonight, what type of person would you look for? Now, we know that his physical body, which was born to the Virgin Mary, that was crucified and died, buried, and rose the third day and ascended up to the right hand of the majesty on high, sets there tonight a high priest ever living to make intercessions upon our confession. And he's also a high priest that can be touched by the feeling of our infirmities. Amen. Right now he is that kind of a high priest that can be touched by the feeling of our infirmities. Now, the only way, if I asked all you Lutheran, what do you think about him? Well, he'd be Lutheran. All the Catholic, he'd be Catholic. The Pentecostal, he'd be Pentecostal. And so forth. That's just the only true way to find it out is this. Let's find out what he was yesterday. Amen. And if you can see what he was yesterday, then he's got to be the same today. And will be forever. Just lay the church uh, body aside of their ideas of it. And let's just find out what he was yesterday. Now, we remember that he's been promised since the Garden of Eden from the very first Day of sin came in the Garden of Eden, and God called Adam and Eve to judgment. He promised the seed of the woman should crush the serpent's head, a Savior. The next great move we find Moses, the great, uh, uh, well, he was a, a type of Christ, a lawgiver, priest, king, and so forth. Uh, we find out that he was a perfect type of Christ, born in a time of persecution of the enemy, hid in the bulrush and just like Christ was and come out and led the children out and so forth. And um, so we find there that Moses, at the, down towards the end of his road, he said, Now, after his going, that the Lord your God shall raise up a prophet like unto me. Yeah. Now, we know that all Israel, all the Old Testaments, always depended on their prophets. Hebrews 1 said, God in sundry times and divers manners spake to the fathers by the prophets, but in this last day through his son, Christ Jesus. See, now, the Hebrews, the way that they could tell 
We're taught over in Deuteronomy about the 18th chapter. If there be one among you who's spiritual or a prophet, I, the Lord God, will make myself known unto him in visions and speak to him in dreams. And if what this prophet says comes to pass, then you hear him. But if it doesn't come to pass, don't you listen to him. Because don't fear that man, because I never sent him. That's only reasonable. If God sends anything, God backs up what he's saying. So God sends his word, God backs his word up. Now, a man can come in and tell you anything, but when God says anything, then God backs up just exactly what he says he'll do, as he's got to, in order to be God. He couldn't make a promise and then not stick with it and then remain God. He couldn't do it. See, he's got to stay with his promise. Now, we find out then that we, the first time we find him appearing on the scene, there's lots in there that we'll pick up down through the week and Weed it in so that you'll get the, uh, a more understanding of it. But let's just start with the life of Christ. We know how he was born to the virgin. At the age of, of 30 years old, he was baptized. But John the baptizer went into the wilderness and was tempted of the devil for 40 days and nights and came out and started his ministry. The first thing we noticed after he come out, well, John saw a sign over him like a light. A form of a dove came down from heaven and a voice coming from that form of dove, the Spirit of God, a voice coming from the Spirit of God, which is like the dove was the Spirit of God, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Now, that's the, the King James Version. Now, in the original version, it's something the same thing. It says, In whom I am pleased to dwell in. And God dwelt in Christ. We know that. He said, it's not me that doeth the works, it's my Father that dwelleth in me. He doeth the works. St. John 5, 19, he said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing in himself, but what he sees the Father doing, that doeth the Son likewise. Now, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Now, we all believe that. Though God was in Christ, he, he expressed what God was. He was expressed image of God. God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. Now, we find out that when he was here, how the people knew him. Now, they were all Jewish believers that he came to. He came to his own. Now, there's only three races of people in the world. Let them say whatever they want to. These three races, Ham, Sham, and Japheth's people. Because that sprung from Noah, from the ark. These three races of people. And um, so then... Uh, uh, that was a Jew, Gentile, and Samaritan, which we find out that the Pentecostal message went to them three, and Peter with the keys, and from then on, it's to everybody then. Now, we find out that Peter on the day of Pentecost to the Jews, and down to the Samaritans, when Philip went out and preached to them, to there, and then at the house of Cornelius, and then that was it. See, the world had it, had the gospel. Now, now let's notice closely now, as we come in. Now, we see him coming down out of the wilderness, Immediately the sparks begin to fly from his ministry. Healings taking place and great things taking place. And there happened to be one named Andrew. He had a brother named Simon. I took the history of his father and uh, of Peter, which we know him as tonight. His name then was Simon. And Andrew persuaded him to come to see Jesus and told him he was the Messiah. He was thoroughly convinced that was the Messiah. And when he came to Jesus, Jesus looked at him. Now remember, 
He is Messiah. And now here's what he was yesterday. And as soon as he looked at Peter, or Simon, he said, Your name is Simon. And you are the son of Jonas. That immediately, Simon recognized it and accepted him. Now, why would that man upon that condition? Just because Jesus said those things. Your name is Simon, and you are the son of Jonas. And he recognized him immediately to be the Messiah. Why would he do it? See, he was taught in the Scriptures by his father that someday the Messiah will come and there will be a great disturbance amongst the people, always before something real happens, there's a lot of counterfeit stuff rises up around it. We know that. Always, that's the devil trying to, to counterfeit it. And remember, when you see a counterfeit, just remember it speaks of a real one coming, you see. That's always seen. Now, and I can just hear Jonas say, Simon, my boy, his hair gray, Jonas, and say, I always thought I would see the day when the Messiah would come, but I'm getting old now. I probably won't see it. But son... You and Andrew sit here. Don't forget, the Messiah, there'll be a lot of stuff rising up in your days. You may see him. We've looked for him now for 4,000 years. But he may come in your generation. And don't you forget that our Bible cannot fail. Our scriptures cannot fail. He will be a prophet. For Moses, the one that we believed all these years, and the one that led us out of Egypt, told us that the Lord our God would give us a prophet just like him. And he'll be a God prophet. And you'll know him by that. And as soon as Simon, seeing this Jesus of Nazareth, said, Your name is Simon and the son of Jonas, that godly old father that had instructed him, there was a perfect sign. That was the prophet. Amen. Amen. You know, they said to him, Art thou the Christ? Art thou this prophet that was supposed to rise? Now, he made himself known to the man that he gave the keys to the kingdom that was the head of the church of Jerusalem by telling him who he was and what his father's name was. Amen. Now, that was the way he made himself known to Simon Peter, and Peter recognized him to be the Messiah. Philip was standing there. And it so thrilled him because Philip was a, a, a godly man. He was waiting and watching. God, listen, don't forget this. He will only appear to those who are looking for him. Amen. No other. Hallelujah. That's the reason John saw that light and he's the only one that saw it. John bear record saying I saw it. Nobody else saw it. When Paul saw that same light... Struck him down. Paul saw the light. Not the man was with him. See? Remember that it comes to those who are looking for it, who's believing it. That's the only way God reveals himself. Always has and always will. Notice. Now, Philip was standing there. When he saw that taking place, he knew of a man that they'd had Bible school together. And they were orthodox. They were really believers in the scrolls and they were looking for something to happen. And around the mountain, if any of you is ever in Palestine, from where Jesus was preaching, it was 15 miles around to where he found his friend Nathaniel. 
Nathaniel had an orchard, olives. And so he uh, went to the door and knocked at the door, and his wife told him that he was out in the garden. So he goes out in the garden, and there's Nathaniel. Let's just break in and see what he was praying about. I can imagine hearing him say, Father, we have longed for the Messiah, the Deliverer, to set us free from this Roman power. Oh, Father God, will I live to see the day when this Messiah shall make himself known to us. I have read in your scriptures where he's coming. Moses told us that the Lord our God would raise up to us a prophet, liken unto him, and we would know him. And, Father, I'm longing and waiting for that time. I've studied the scriptures. I've lived in them day and night. And just about time he said, Amen. And raised up. Philip said, Come see who we have found. <laughs> we found him, Amen. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Well, I can imagine Nathaniel. Now, I'll give us a little drama. I can imagine Nathaniel saying, Now, Philip, <clears throat> I've known you to be a very level-headed man. And I surely you haven't went off on the deep end on something, you know, like we'd say today. Now, Philip, we've studied the Scriptures too much together. Now, you come tell me that the Messiah is here. Now, you know good and well if that Messiah come, he would come to us Pharisees alone. <clears throat> Our group and that alone. Or he would they'd spread down the carters and he'd come down on the temple at the great temple that Moses built. And he'd introduce himself to Caiaphas as a high priest. I am the Messiah that you're looking for. See, that's the way they might have had it all drawn up. Yes. But God has his own way of doing things, Amen. see. Amen. He come just exactly with the Scripture, but they had the Scripture misconstrued. Yes. I wonder if he comes if he'd come tonight, if a lot of us haven't got it all messed up. But the main thing is, be ready when he comes. That, that's the thing. No matter which way God sends him, just let him come the way he is. Way he's got planned for him to come. Some of us have got him coming on a white cloud, some on a white horse. I don't care how he comes, just so I'm ready when he comes. I, I, I want to see him. And I'm studying hard to know just exactly what the Scripture says, so I'll know him when he appears, you see. Watch what the Scripture says about him. Now, he said, come see we found. Well, of course... The conversation went on, and let's break it on as they go around the bank. I take them from, he went probably one day around the mountain, come back the next day. And on the next day around, said, I can hear Philip say to Nathaniel, Nathaniel, do you remember that time when you bought them fish from that old fellow called Simon? Oh, yes, Jonas's son, sure. You know, he didn't even have enough education to sign a, a receipt for you, a ticket that he got the fish. Yes. See, the Bible said Peter was ignorant and unlearned. How many knows that? Sir, he didn't have an education. He wasn't some seminary scholar. And he, he was an ignorant and unlearned man. And said he couldn't sign that ticket. Well, I said, when he came up by his, the invitation of his brother Andrew, and he came up before this who we know to be the Messiah, and I'm going to tell you why I know it. Now, you know, Nathaniel, that you and I know the Scriptures say that he will be a prophet like Moses. And as soon as he walked into the presence of Jesus, Jesus said, Your name is Simon, and you are the son of Jonas. Now, how would he know that if he wasn't a prophet? And I hear Philip say, You know, Nathaniel, it wouldn't surprise me a bit, but when you come up before me, he wouldn't say, Good evening, Nathaniel. 
I say, I, Nathaniel, say, let me go and see for myself. Now, that's a good idea. Yeah. You know, and first he couldn't hardly believe it. And he was invited to come see for himself. Said, could anything good come out of Nazareth? That bunch of holy, ro- or, you know, people down there. Excuse me. <clears throat> could anything good come out of there? He said, come see for yourself. Amen. Don't stay home and criticize it. Come find out. Amen. Come see. And don't just take Amen. the man's word, search it and see if it's scripture or not. See? Come see for yourself. And on the road around, they talked. Finally, they arrived where Jesus is having the healing service. They, Nathaniel might have been in the prayer line. I don't know. He might have been standing out in the audience. But when he first saw Jesus and Jesus looked up on him, he said, Behold an Israelite in whom there is no God. That took the wind out of his sails is, is to speak. He, why well, he did, he couldn't understand. He said, Rabbi, which means teacher, how did you ever know me? This is the first time we ever met. How would you know me? And he said, Why, before Philip called you, when you were under the tree, I saw you. Fifteen miles around the mountains, what eyes, I saw you. Quickly, that man recognized that that, they hadn't had a prophet for 400 years, you know. And he recognized immediately that was him. So he ran up to him and said, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God. Thou art the King of Israel. Is that right? He said, because I told you that, you believed. (laughs) Why? Now, that was Jesus yesterday. If he's the same today, you do the same thing. If he's the same yesterday. That's the way he made himself known to his people. That's how they recognize him. Not by his teaching, by his works. See, Jesus said, search the scriptures. They are they that testify of me. In them you think you have eternal life, and they're there to testify me. And if I do not the works of my Father, then don't believe me. But if I do the works of my Father and you can't believe me, well, then believe the works that I do. Amen. They're the one that testifies of me. Amen. The Amen. works of confirmation of the Word. Thank God. That's what Hallelujah. testifies. Well, wouldn't it be the same thing today? Amen. The works testifies. Amen. Here's the Word says so, and here's the works that testifies of the Word. Now, he can't change. He's got to be the same. Now, oh, there was them standing there, sure, standing back there, the great high priest and priest of the synagogues and, the, and all of them standing there watching. And, of course, they had to give an answer to their congregation. It, the work was done. You know what they said? They said, he's Beelzebub, a fortune teller, a devil. And Jesus turned and said to them, this... <clears throat> Verily, verily, I say unto you, see, you speak that against the Son of Man, I'll forgive you. But otherwise, someday the Holy Ghost is coming to do the same work. And to speak a word against it will never be forgiven. In this world, nor the world that is to come. I see. See, watch that prophecy swinging on into our days, see. To speak a word against it will never be forgiven. And this world, nor in the world that is to come. And here was Philip, Peter, and them standing there, those Jews saying, he's the son of God, the king of Israel, because he did those things before them. And the supposed to be orthodox 
said he's Beelzebub, the devil, fortune teller. See? And Jesus testified that that would come in another day by the Holy Ghost, because the Holy Ghost wasn't given then. He hadn't yet been sacrificed. So the Holy Ghost would come and to speak against them because, what is it? Calling the Spirit of God that's doing the works of God an unclean spirit. A devil. Now, it's prophesied by Jesus Christ that it would happen that way. It's got to be that way. Now, let's notice him. I remember these three races of people. That was Ham, Sham, and Japheth's people. It changed our colors by the uh, countries that we lived in and and so forth. And that doesn't have anything to do. God made of one blood all nations. Were these Chinese, Japanese, or African, or Anglo-Saxon, or whatever he was, they're all one blood. All come from Adam. See? And they raised in different parts of the country in tropics. Now, you just take anything, it'll do the same thing. You can take a coyote down here in Mexico and let him live on that red sand ground. He's reddish color. Bring him up here on the white sands. He's white color. Kind of a brownish. Take him up yonder, way up in the north country, way up in British Columbia. He's snow white. The same coyote, exactly. Same deer will change color from red, brown, and black. Yes, sir. Depends on the country he's living in, the food he's feeding on, and so forth like that. Now, that's how our colors and things got changed, but we all come from one race. That's the human race. That's right. All off of that one tree. Now, that was... That was the Jews. He came to those Jews because they were looking for a Messiah. Now, we got several other there. We'll weed through the parts of the week, and we'll, the rest of the week, we'll weed them in and so forth. But just, get, just take them to there. Peter and this man, Nathaniel, and that's the way they knew that he was the Messiah. Yes. Yes. Now, one day he had need to go by Samaria. Now, that's a Samaritan, which is another race of people. And he had to go up. He's going on his road to Jericho, right straight down. But he went up around Sychar, uh, 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 over with Samaria, and stopped at the city Sychar. And he sent in his disciples to buy food. And while they were in, a woman, well, we would call her a woman of ill fame here in this country. She um, <coughs> had been married several times and so forth. So she she um, came out to the well about, I suppose, around noontime when he sent him in for lunch. And um, come out to the well, and there's a, the well still there. It's a panoramic. Uh, something like this, and vines over it, and there's a city public well there where the people comes to draw water. And when she come out to this well about 11 o'clock, and perhaps all of her, you know, the ladies, how they fixed their curls up, you know, and everything, and she would, uh, might have been, she'd um, been out all night and just waking up. So I don't know what was the case, but she come out, and you ought to see the women there, how they can pack that water. I've seen them put a five-gallon pitcher on top of their head, and one on each hip, and go down the street talking just as ladies can talk, you know, nodding her head to one another and never spill a drop. You talk about perfect walking. And so this woman, she couldn't come out with the rest of the women, see, because she was marked. In our country, it's not marked. But there, it is marked. They, she can't associate with other women as long as she lives like that. So she couldn't come the same time the virgins come. So she come out about 11 o'clock, and there's a, a well there and a window, and she had the, the hooks. It goes in a, this big jar. It's got the hooks on it. We call it a jar. They call it a bucket then, I suppose. Put it on, and just started to let it down, and she heard someone say, Woman, bring me a drink. And she looks over against the wall, and there's that kind of a middle-aged Jew. Now, we know that he is really, according to Scripture, he's only about 
not quite 33, but he must have looked a little old. You know, in St. John, the sixth chapter, they told him, said, you're a man not over 50 years old, and you say you have seen Abraham? Now we know you got a devil. He said, before Abraham was, I am. See, he looked 50, according to that, but he, his work might have had a great pull on him. And he was sitting over against the well, said, bring me a drink. Well, the woman thinking nothing, you know, probably a woman type of that. She said, sir, it's not custom for you, a Jew, to ask me, a Samaritan woman, for anything, because we have no dealings with one another, segregation, see. And um, he let him know right quick that there was no segregation with God. So, and so he um, well, spoke to her and said, if you know who you were talking to, you'd ask me for a drink. I'd bring you water. You don't come here to draw. She said, the well's deep. Yeah. What was he doing? Now, he's contacting her spirit. See? He's catch- now, he said he had need to go up there. The father sent him. So he had need to go by there. Now, here's the subject, not knowing what he's going to do, because St. John 5, 19 said he did nothing until the father showed him. But now he's got to find what's this woman. Perhaps the father had showed him to go up there. And now here he is. He don't know what to do. But here comes the woman out. Now, he's got to contact her spirit. Oh, I hope you see it. And so then he talks to her, carries a conversation. And finally, he, they got talking about the places to worship and the different tribes or denominations and so forth. And he said, all oh, the fathers seek as such to worship in spirit and truth. So finally, he found what her trouble was. And he said to her, go get your husband and come here. She said, I have no husband. said, you've said well, for you've had five. And the one you're living with is not yours. My. Look. Look at the difference between this ill-famed woman and them priests. Them priests, when that was done, they said, he's Beelzebub, a fortune teller. But this little ill-famed woman, she said, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Oh. We, we Samaritans, we know there's coming a Messiah who's called the Christ. And when he comes, this will be his sign. That's what he'll do. Amen. Remember, he never done it one time before the Gentiles. They wasn't looking for no Messiah. This is their day. They, the Jews and Samaritans were looking for a Gentile because a Jew was just half Jew and, and Gentile, which made the Samaritan. So he said, now, look, he said to this, I perceive that thou art a prophet. We know when the Messiah cometh, which is called the Christ, that'll be his sign. He'll show us these things when he comes. And Jesus said, I'm he that speaks with you. Away to the city she went. And listen at her message. Come see a man that's told me the things I've done. Isn't this the very Messiah? Well, if he's the same yesterday, today, and forever... Isn't it right? And the the scripture says that the people, he never did it no more. The the scripture says that the people believed on him because of the saying of the woman, because they know that was a sign of the Messiah. And he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's right. Now, he is, she saw that be the sign of the Messiah. The Jews saw it to be the sign of the Messiah. Now, just to push in just about five minutes longer, uh, one thing more. Jesus said, before the coming of the Son of Man, it would come a day like it was in the days of Sodom. Now, remember, 
Always keep this in mind. God is in threes, and he always is numerals. God is perfected in threes, like Father, Son, Holy Ghost, and so forth. Now notice, threes. Now there's always three classes of people, like Ham, Sham, and Japheth. And there's three classes of people usually set together. That's believers, make believers, and unbelievers. You have that in every place, and you do. Now, and there's always been that. And looking here, Jesus pattering Sodom, like it was, will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Now look, Lot was a relative, a nephew to Abraham. Maybe this week we'll get in on Abraham and some of his work. Now. And we see that Lot pulled off and went down into the world yeah. in Sodom to live all uh, uh, oh, with well, the things of the world. He become the chief man of the city, maybe the mayor, or what, set, he's the judge, setting the gate and judge the people. His wife belonged to every society there was in the city, <clears throat> yet he had a touch of God. That's a type at the end time of the church that's in the world. Still living in the things of the world, the church natural. Then there was a sodomite, which you people here know what they were. Now, there was Abraham, was a type of the church called out. Wasn't in Sodom, sitting way back up here on the barren grounds of the mountain above the riches and cares of the world. There's your three classes. Abraham called out, and the word church means called out. Amen. Abraham, the elected church. We know there is a church elected. We know that. God predestinated the church. It's going to appear before me without spot or wrinkle. He said so. I hope I'm a member of it. Amen. And I know how you get to be a member of it, by dying to yourself and be born of it. That's all. Amen. Now, but the church elected... The Bible said in the last days that Antichrist would deceive the very elected if it was possible. But it isn't possible, <laughs> if it was possible. Now notice, there's the Sodomites, there's Lot, the lukewarm, and here is Abraham sitting out here on these barren grounds. Now one day there came up three visitors. And those three visitors looked like man. They had dust on their clothes. They sat down with Abraham, and Abraham went and killed a calf and got some cornbread and some milk and some veal chops and come out and fed these angelic beings. And they did eat. Notice. And here they were. And two of them went down in Sodom to preach to Sodom, the one that stayed behind talked to Abraham. Now, let's just take, take today. Now, isn't it strange that the church natural out in the, the denominational world, they have had a great blasting two great ministers. Isn't it strange that A-B-E-R-H-A-M and G-R-A-H-A-M yes. never hit before in all the world? Then we got... A brother, Oral Roberts, another great man. And remember, at GR, uh, these angels went down into the Sodom. They didn't perform any miracles. Only one night they were smitten blind. And the preaching of the Word smites the unbeliever blind. He's blinded by the Word. Yes. 
Now let's watch this one that preached to the church elected. Watch. About a day or two before that, Abram had his name changed from Abram to Abraham. Yes. And Sarah, S-A-R-A, to S-A-R-A-H, Sarah, princes. And when this one that stayed with Abraham, he had his back turned to the tent, and he said, Abraham, Amen. where is thy wife, Sarah, S-A-R-R-A-H, Sarah, princes. How did he know that he... And God had changed his name, day or two before, from Abram to Abraham, and her name from Sarah to Sarah. Yes. Amen. See? Watch now. And how did he know he was even married? Yes. And how did he know he had a wife? Yes. Women then didn't run out and take the man's place like they do today. They stayed in the kitchen where they belonged. But, then, but it's changed since then a whole lot. And so then um, we find out that she was in the tent behind and said, where is Sarah? Thy wife. And remember, Abraham specifically said, Now, she's in the tent behind you. And he said, Abraham, I am going to visit you. That I, that personal pronoun. That shows who you was right there. I am going to visit you according to the time of life. Now, we're mixed audience. You listen at your doctor. I'm your brother. Now, they were old. Abraham was 100 years old. And Sarah was 90 now, as husband and wife, it has ceased maybe 10, 15, 20 years before that. They had no uh, relationship anymore as husband and wife. And Sarah sniggered, what we call it in Kentucky. Y'all call it your smile or whatever. Laughed up her sleeve. I think that's the expression. She said, me. Now, not out loud. Me, she said, an old woman. And my Lord, which was Abraham, her husband, old also and would have pleasure again as young people, you know. Me, an old woman like this, and him old like that. And the angel, with his back turned to the tent, said, Why did Sarah laugh? Saying about me. What kind of a telepathy is that? (laughs) Look, God would have took Sarah's life right there, but he couldn't. She's part of Abraham. (laughs) And that's the same thing to church today. See, all of our unbeliefs and things, he'd take us off the earth, but he can't. We're part of Christ, you see. So he forgives us of our sin. He's a tucker. We'll get into those things deeper later because our time's getting away. But watch. Now, Jesus said, now you said, what was that man? Who was he? Abraham ought to know. Abraham called him Elohim. Is that right? The self-existing one, God himself, made flesh. And showing that God in the last days, he said, as it was in the days of Lot, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man that God himself in the form of the Holy Ghost would be so into his church, so filled till he'd be moving and operating in the church. God in human flesh. Doing the same thing. Now, if the Jews had that sign of of the Messiah at the ending of their time and the Samaritans at the ending of their time because they were looking. We've had 2,000 years of preaching. Theology never has it been in the church before. And now here in the last days, the closing out with the promise of Christ and hundreds of more promises 
of these things would happen, then if we would want to see him and want to know who he is, he's got to be the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. That's right. Amen. Got to be the same. Jesus promised it the same. Then, sirs, we would see Jesus. How would you know him? If I went down to Santa Maria tonight and got some person was dressed like he was, with sandals on and perhaps a robe on, and scars all over his face like this, and nail prints in his hand, that could be the biggest hypocrite there was in the country. Yeah. Anybody could impersonate that. Yeah. Certainly. But how do you know a tree? What did Jesus say you would know him? By their fruit. Yeah. Now, you people are, are citrus growers around here. Now, what if you took... Um, if you could take all the life out of an orange tree and put it over into a, and take all the life out of a, um, a grapefruit tree and put the orange tree life in the grapefruit tree, what would it bear? Oranges. Sure, it's the life in it produces what it is. Is that right? Now, I don't mean grafting now. I mean taking the life out. That's what Samaria did. got too much grafting <laughs> And not of dying out and the life out and new life born in. That's what Amen. it is. But when new life, if you took the, the life out of a pumpkin and put it into a grapevine and the life of the grapevine out, the grapevine would bear pumpkins because it's the life that's in it. Yeah. Sure it would. It's the life that's in there. It's the life that's in the church produces what it is. Amen. See? Amen. Now, his life in these last days is in his church. And Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We believe that, don't we? Amen. Now, if he has come in this form to appear here at the Gentile church that's looking for him to come. Now, if he lets the church go right, right on in just on theology alone, then he did something for the Jews and Samaritans that made him different today. He, 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 did, he didn't visit us like that. He can't do it. See, his first decision, how to declare himself, that's the way he did it the second time, and that's the way he'll do it the third time, for he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's right. Do you believe it? Amen. Now, I could talk all night. It's already time for me to close. But we'll put it in other nights. Search those scriptures when you go home. See if God promised it. See if that's the way. Show me any way that he made himself known any other way. Then that way, because the Bible declared that he would be a prophet. Now, I believe that today the Holy Spirit has come upon the church. I believe it come to restore all that the palm worm and canker worm and so forth had eaten down through the dark ages. And now it's been building up to it's right up here in the head time now for the evening lights is the promise of the prophet that it shall be light in the evening time. Civilization has traveled with the sun. The sun rose in the east, and the same sun, S-U-N, that rises in the east is the same S-U-N that sets in the west. We've had a dismal day, as the Bible said, neither called day nor night, enough to join church and to do good and so forth, but it shall be light about the evening time. Yeah. And the same S-O-N, Son of God, that rose yonder in the east on the eastern people and showed His blessings and power. It's been a dismal day, but now on the west coast, if we go any farther, we go back to China again to the east and back to the eastern country. Now we're at the west coast and the S-O-N yeah, is appearing before his coming. Remember, appearing and coming is two different words. See? He's appearing now in the church, showing himself alive after 2,000 years. Amen. Sirs, we would see Jesus. Amen. Now, if you believers... How many believers this year? If I could not do it, 
I cannot bring him. It takes all of us together to do it. I'm just a part of him and you're a part of him. But if you're sick and needy, I'm your brother. And God set in the church. Now there's nine spiritual gifts goes in each local body, which is tongues, interpretation of tongues and prophecies and so forth. But there is five predestinated offices of the church. Apostles, prophets, teachers, pastors, and evangelists. That's what God set in the church. The Holy Spirit, that's an office. The Holy Spirit might fall on one tonight and speak in tongues and other than give the prophecy and and so forth. Then next night it might be on somebody else and somebody else like that. That's local gifts in the body to keep us straight. But in the church alone, five offices. Apostles means missionaries. Apostles, prophets, teachers, pastors, and evangelists. God sets those in the church. Now, let's believe with all of our heart that through these ministering gifts that the great God of heaven will send Christ among us tonight, that we'll see Jesus. Let us pray now as we bow our heads. Most gracious Father, to whom we have come to dwell in his tent, to live here in the great economy of God on earth, and to be led here as it is in heaven... May the kingdom of God come and the will of God be done among us tonight. Grant it, Father. If just a few words from you or one word from you after I've quoted so many of your promises tonight, but just the people are waiting to see you to say so. Your word will, will prove it, Father. Now, my words, I can only say what you have said. But now, if you'll just say it's the truth, Lord, by confirming the word... Then we'll go away from here tonight, just like they come from Emmaus, as we asked in our former prayer, saying, did not our hearts burn within us? Now, Father, I pray that while we're gathered together in the next few minutes, that you'll do these same things among us tonight that you did 2,000 years ago before your crucifixion, when you was on earth then we'll know that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever, and know that there's no power, no time, no age, no nothing can ever kill our risen Christ. He's alive forevermore and has the keys of death and hell and pours the waters of life forth freely for whosoever will may come and drink. Grant it, Father. Forgive our sins now and tuck us around your side as it was and shroud us with your presence And give us these things that we have talked about tonight in confirmation of your own word in Jesus Christ's name. We ask that for God's glory and the upbuilding of his church and those who are sojourning around this city. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, please, Billy, you give out some cards. Now, each day, I guess Brother Borders has explained to us what we have, what we do. We come down each day and give out the prayer cards if you want them. The boy gets up here before you. He mixes these prayer cards up and gives them out to you. Anybody wants them. And then from there, no one knows where we'll call because little meetings like this probably wouldn't make any difference. But when you have big meetings so that they rally and push over one another and everything like that, we don't want that. It's not a... Although it looks like an arena, but it's now dedicated to the kingdom of God. It's a church. We're, we're here to have reverence and order and 
We're looking for the coming of the Lord Jesus and His presence among us, and we must be reverent. Now, I don't mean not praising the Lord. I believe, oh my, they hold their peace, their rocks will immediately cry out. You see, they, I believe in worshiping the Lord, but we must come before Him in reverence and in, pre- in His presence. Now, I believe, was it a, one to a hundred or... He did, said there wasn't very many here to give out cards to, so he just call our cards a minute, and then we they got prayer cards, and we get them out of the way, and then we can... Uh, uh, these things don't only come in the meetings like this. There's some people sitting here that goes with me in meetings. Oh, my. Uh, at home, it tells of thousands and tens of thousands of things. Not one time has it ever failed. Never will. Can't. As long as it's God, it can't fail. Let's call... Who has prayer card number one? See where that's at. Thinking. Prayer card number one. Number two. Prayer card number two. Now, it may be somebody deaf. Somebody speaks Spanish. Who can speak Spanish? Two, all right. One, two. Come right here. Let's just line up a little bit of line here just for a few minutes. Just get a little proud. One, two. Raise your hand when I call your number. Two, three. Who has three? Prayer card number three. Over here. Come right here. If you can't raise up now, we'll pack you over. Number three. Number four. Who has four? One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. All right. Five. Who has five? All right, sir. Number six. Number seven. Number seven. I, I didn't see it. I'm sorry. Number seven. Right there. Now, listen real close now. So we see, sometimes when they leave the meeting, say, Brother Branham, I, I, write me a letter. Say, I was deaf. Nobody told me. My number's called and I didn't get up there. You don't have to get up here. You have to have faith. But sometimes somebody's done something in their life that's caused... Now, if you're afraid of sin be called out, you better stay out of the prayer line, see? Now, now uh, seven, eight, nine, eight. Who has eight? Prayer card eight. All right. This lady here. Nine. Who has nine? Prayer card number nine. How would you say it in Spanish? Quiven. Huh? Nine. Ten. Somebody probably got it and went home. Ten. No. Did you have 10, lady? 11? 11? Say, uh, listen, friend, when you come get a card, don't take the card unless you're going to use it. Let somebody else have it. It wants it, you see, to get in a prayer line. Let's stop there just a minute. We pray for this, these here. <clears throat> now, how many in here doesn't have a prayer card and you want God to heal you? Just raise up your hand. All right. Looks like it's Practically everywhere. Back in there. Now look, there's a little woman one time. She didn't say she didn't have a prayer card. But she believed in him. And she said, if I can just touch the bar of his garment, I'll be made well. Is that right? Well, now, and she touched him. And I remember, he didn't know what her trouble was. But he said, who touched me? Who touched me? And Peter rebuked him and said, who touched me? Well, everybody's touching. He said, but I perceive that virtue, that strength. I got weak. He said, virtue's gone from me. Who touched me? And finally, he looked around over the audience till he found the little woman who touched him. She might be standing way back or over here. And he told her about her blood issue and said her faith had saved her. How many knows that story? All right. Now, listen close now. Keep it in the Scripture. If he is the same yesterday and forever... Then the Bible says he's clergyman, your pastor's your doesn't the Bible say he's the high priest right now? Yeah. 
that can be touched by the feeling of our infirmities? Is that right? Then how would he act? If he's the same high priest, he'd act the same way. Is that right? Now, how many believe that? He'd act the same way. Then you touch him with the feeling of your infirmities. Say, uh, Lord, I believe you, and I want you to, to heal me. Now, I know that man standing there don't know me, but let me touch your garment. Father God, have mercy upon me. Now, he told me that you're the same, and you're the spirit that you're, the one that we don't see. But I, I believe that I'm a believer, and I love you, and let me touch your garment. Then you speak back to our brother like you did to your son. And, uh, and uh, then I, I, it'll, it'll confirm it to me that you're the same Lord Jesus. Now, wouldn't that be sweet if you did that? Yes. Now, you believe it and see if he won't do it. You just Pray. believe it. <clears throat> now, the first man coming, this is a man. Now, a uh, man, probably younger than I. I don't know him. Never seen him alive. Just a man. And I suppose we're strangers to one another. And um, not the audience might know that we're strangers to one another. Just so we hold our, just raise our, your hand just so we see that we are strange to one another. Now, I've never seen him as far as I know. He might have seen me somewhere in meetings. If he'd been in other meetings or something, he might have seen me. But to say to know him, I don't. I don't know him about him. But God does know him. Now, here's two people meeting for the first time in life. And now, if that man was sick and anything I could do to help him, I, I sure would do it. I'd, I'd help him. I'd do everything I could to help him. And if I could heal him, I'd certainly do it right quick. But healing doesn't lay in me. Healing is something that's already been done. By his stripes we were healed. Every sin was forgiven when Jesus died at the cross. Every sinner was forgiven. Right? If it wouldn't, God would destroy the whole world now. It's the blood of Jesus Christ like a bumper that holds the world from together right now. But someday that blood's going to be taken away. And then if you die in your sins and don't accept that pardon, you stand before God a sinner. See? But as far as your sins, you're already forgiven it, but you have to accept it. And healing has already been done by His stripes, Peter said. We were, past tense, healed. Now, you've got to accept your healing. Now, your pastor tells you about it. Brother Roberts comes by and prays and lays hands on the people and so forth like that. That's confirmation. Now, I say to this man here... If I'd say, Mister, what's your trouble? He'd probably tell me. And maybe he's not for himself. Maybe he's standing for somebody else. Maybe he's, uh, maybe he's uh, uh, got a financial troubles. Maybe it's domestic troubles. Maybe he's done something in life that's holding him back. I don't know. He's just standing there as a man. But the Holy Spirit knows all about him. And if the Holy Spirit can tell him what has been, he'll know whether that's right or not. Surely if you tell him what will be, if he can tell him what has been, he know whether it's true or not, then he'll know what his promise will be. It will be that way. It's just got to be that way. You believe that? Now may the Lord grant your request. Jesus, the same yesterday, today, and forever, sirs, we would see Jesus, our lovely Lord, who is here in the form of the Holy Ghost, trusting is on this man, on me. And by your own faith in a divine gift sent from God, grants the request. I trust that it will. Not knowing you, knowing nothing about you, perfectly strangers. And if the Lord will tell me 
what you're here for or something about you. Now, you say, what he, someone out there said, what's he doing now? Just exactly what Jesus did to the woman at the well. Yeah, the Father sent me to Santa Maria. Yeah. I'm here, I don't know what for. But here's the first person comes up before me, so I talk to him like he did the woman at the well. Yeah. It's a contact his spirit. Yeah. You say, now, what's that? Now, wait just a minute. Let's straighten this out now. I felt something come in from out there. Look. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Is that right? Hebrews 4 said, The Word of God is sharper, more powerful than a two-edged sword, piercing the sonder of the mire of the bone, and a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Is that right? The Word of God. If ye abide in me and my word in you. See what I mean? It's the Word made flesh among us. The Word. And that Word that was back there that cannot change is the same Word tonight that would declare the same Messiah. Not me, but Him. Same Messiah. I believe this man believes that. I'm going to stand a little close to the mic because sometime when visions come, it, I don't know what I'm saying. It's in somewhere else, you see. Can you hear me all right, everybody? Now, I don't know whether he will tell him not, but I believe he will. Now, if I had power to heal you, I'd do so. But I'm only declaring to you that you're already healed if you need healing or whatever is wrong. But you believe me to be his servant. Now, that's what he asked me, the angel, that seen that picture, that pillar of fire. They've got it here now. Do you see that picture? You've seen it on that picture? That's staying right between me and you right now. Have stomach trouble. Had an operation. That's true, isn't it? You believe? Now, we would see Jesus. Now, I can't tell you right now what he said. That wasn't me. I know nothing about the man. Whatever it is, I'll find on the recorder. I don't know what I told him. It was somewhere else. I seen something happening. But I, I couldn't tell you now what it was. That was him. Amen. Why is it? I, at first, it means you always get that somebody said he guessed that. I didn't guess that. No. You don't guess things like that millions of times perfect. Right. Here, if you think it was a guess, just a minute. Look back to me again, sir. Let me see just a moment. Yes, sir. Stomach trouble. Operation. That's, that's right. That's right. You're not from here. You're from Bakersfield. That's right. That's your wife sitting there. She's sick, too. Wants to be prayed for. You believe God can tell me what's your trouble? Bladder trouble. Right? Raise up your hand if that's true. All right. Mr. Ackley, you go on back home. You all get well. Jesus Christ makes you whole. Believe with all your heart. You say, how'd you know his name? Well, it's the same Messiah. Did you see? Not me, him. Amen. You believe now? Now, if you want to say praise the Lord, you can say, say praise the Lord. Say, now, God is an object of worship. We must believe with all of our heart. How do you do, lady? I'm a stranger to you. Don't know you at all, but God knows you. Do you believe if God can tell me what's your trouble or something on your heart, you believe it, you'd get all right? You do? Well, you're seriously, lady. It's shattered with death. See, a dark shadow. Had cancer. Operation, stomach. Very bad shape. That is right. 
But if you believe God with all your heart, that's the only opportunity, the only thing that you have to be well. There's some lepers set at the gate one night. And they said, if we go inside, it's death in there because they're eating one another's children. Syrians had a besieged. If we sit here, we die. But if we go down to the camp of the enemy, then they might spare us. Yeah. See? But I see that dark shadow over you. Now, you are not asked to go down to the camp of the enemy. You're asked and expected at the, the loving Father's throne. Yeah. Will you believe him? Come here just a moment. Let me have your hand. Heavenly Father, while the Holy Spirit is here, this evil that's killing this woman, she can't live but a little bit. May the power of Almighty God curse this enemy, and may she live. For the kingdom of God's sake, I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Don't doubt me. Go believe it. I just must have faith to believe. <clears throat> if thou canst believe, all things are possible. How do you do? You believe with all your heart. Now, you know I don't know you. We're strangers to each other. But God does know you. You're not here for yourself. You're here for somebody else. Two people. One of them's here in California. The other's in Arkansas. Believe with all your heart. One of the eye and the other trouble. Believe with all your heart and they'll both get well. Do you believe? Just don't doubt. Struck you, didn't it, sister? Especially when I said cancer. Don't fear. You touched him. Who did she touch? A little lady suffers there with a skin cancer condition. Comes back on her all the time. That's right. Raise up your hand. You believe. God bless you. Cursed be the thing. Hallelujah. If you got enough faith to touch the border of his garment, that he'd speak back through me and tell me what you're talking about, Hallelujah. then you have faith. You believe? Amen. Have faith in God. Sirs, we would see Jesus. Yes. <laughs> That's him, the lovely one that saves you. Here he is, right here in the last days, just before the church is taken in, right here proving himself the same yesterday, today, and forever. Just think, what he's done already, what he's done already is more compiled than what he's done since way back in the early church. Think of it, exactly what the scriptures promised, because he couldn't do it till this time. I just watch the people now. Be real reverent. Everywhere you are, pray, believe God. God will grant it to you. You believe God healed you that leg trouble? Got something wrong with your leg. <laughs> you believe with all your heart. Now, what did she touch? See? She touched him. See, there it is. See? Don't doubt. It'll get well. I've got to remain with the same faith you have now. If you ever give away your faith, it'll come back. Just keep believing. That's all. Stay that same faith. Peter walked as long as he believed, but when he went to doubt, he went to sinking. Don't, don't you do it now. You got enough faith for that. Are you convinced that Jesus Christ is with us? Amen. Here, out there, you don't have to have prayer cards. You just have to have faith. Amen. Isn't he the same Messiah? We got another lady here on the platform. Let's just talk to her a moment. Now, you realize that everything's whirling around and around to me now. If one person touching the border of his garment made the Son of God get weak, what about me, a sinner saved by grace? See? 
Daniel saw one vision, trouble at his head for many days. Now, you can imagine what it does to you. What's, it trying, what's he trying to do to get you all to believe him? He's here. Yes. His presence is here. Don't make any of what your trouble is. Believe him. Don't doubt him. Just have faith. Look here, sister. From the vibration of the Spirit coming from you, you are a believer. You believe. I'm a believer. And we stand here for our, our first times, I guess, a meeting in life. As far as I know, you might have seen me somewhere in meetings or something. Or is this the first time we've ever met? We've met before, but I don't know you. No, No, I don't know you. All right. Of course, there's so many people, tens of meetings in different places I wouldn't know. But if the Lord can tell me what you're here for or something about you, it would be very convincing that he he knows all about it, wouldn't it? Would it be to you all? Hmm? Seems like a nice person. And yet she could be a deceiver standing there. If it is, just watch what happens. We've had him do that. No. Lady's sick. She has a stomach trouble also. It's ulcers. Real nervous complication. Just, that is right. Very, very sick. You believe he'll heal you? Are those things true, what is just said? Raise up your hand if that's true. Now, do you believe? She's such a nice person. I believe I talked to her just a little more. Of course, more you talk, more it tells. Weaker you get. Ben, she's such a seems to have good faith. I, I know you do, sister. Your mother's sick too. You believe you can tell me what's wrong with your mother? It's bleeding in the bowels. That's right. Uh huh. Your father in the hospital. <laughs> bladder operation and your husband he's got very coarse veins in his legs <laughs> now you just believe come believing with all your heart now all right sir come you believe God can cure that back trouble before you make you well just go ahead across the platform and say thank you Lord Jesus all right sir just tell you come back this other way Paul or come this way if you want to you know Sir, he can heal heart trouble the same thing he can heal anything else. You believe that? All right, sir. Just go on off the platform and say, Thank you, Lord, for healing me and making me well. Uh-huh. Now, of course, anybody sees him being stiff like that. But do you believe the anointing of the Holy Spirit, if I just lay hands on you, you get well? You be- Come here just a minute. Our Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray that you make him well. Amen. Now, don't you doubt it. Go believe him now. Have faith. That's all right, lady. Come right ahead. All right. You're nervous. Got a heart trouble. Fluttering everything. Mainly if you eat and lay down. It's really not your heart. It's a nervous condition. If you've got a nervous heart. Now, if you believe with all your heart, the thing will stop. Won't bother you anymore. Do you believe that? Then go off the road and say, thank you, dear God, and be made well. <clears throat> it's a blood condition. Anemia blood. But you believe that God can give you a transfusion tonight from Calvary? Accept it. Go believe in all your heart. Do you believe everybody in here believes with all your heart? Sirs, we would see Jesus. Do you realize, friends, that that's his presence here? Are you conscious of it? You know that real sweet, sweet, humble feeling? Now, how many of you are believers again now and believes it with all your heart? Now, I won't tell you what the Bible says here. In the last commission Jesus gave to his church, he said, these signs... 
I've seen something else happen back there. That kidney trouble, it left you. Just forget about it. Uh, these signs shall follow them that believe. While the Holy Spirit's present now and you want to be healed, these signs shall follow them that believe. If they lay their hands on the sick, they shall recover. Amen. Is that right? Amen. Now, you lay your hands on somebody sitting next to you. Just lay your hands over on somebody sitting next to you. Now, don't you pray for yourself. You pray for them because they're praying for you. See? And let's pray now that God will heal everybody in the place. Our Heavenly Father, I'm offering my prayer for these who are here tonight that is in need. They have their hands laid on each other. Thou art ever present to heal. We cannot doubt you, Lord, no more. You are here. We know that them people could not do that. Neither could I do that. We're all aware that it's God among us. The great Father God in the form of the Holy Ghost. The great Jehovah is in our midst. He said when he was here in the form of the Lord Jesus, he said these signs shall follow them and believe. If they lay their hands on the sick, they shall recover. The prayer of faith shall save the sick and God shall raise them up. If they have did sin, it shall be forgiven them. Oh, God of heaven, forgive our unbelief. We know that's the only sin there is, the sin of unbelief. And may the Holy Spirit come so upon each person just now that they'll no more disbelieve because of the presence of Christ tonight, showing Himself alive after 2,000 years, the Word Himself standing here among us, in us, making His Word manifest. Satan, you who have made these people sick, injured their bodies, afflicted them, you are a defeated being. Our Lord Jesus Christ defeated you at Calvary. You are defeated. You have no power at all. And we come believing with our faith open before God. Leave every one of them in the name of Jesus Christ. Come out of this audience. And may they go home and be free from all sickness and afflictions. Now with our heads bowed, as you continue praying... Is there a sinner, man or woman, boy or girl here that doesn't know Christ as your Savior? And you believe that this action of the Holy Spirit is according to the Word of God. And you want to be saved. Would you walk up here around this little altar tonight and let me shake your hand and pray with you? Would you come up just now and just get up out of your seat? I'm not very much to persuade. If the Holy Spirit can't convince with His works, then there's no need of me persuading. But... If you, if you're conscious that you're not right with God and you would desire us to pray for you, we are here to do that. We are the public servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Me and these ministers here together are here to help you, to instruct you how to find Jesus as your Savior. If you would want to come, come up now while we just hum that song that he's playing there. Almost persuaded if you would give us a card on that, brother. And while every Christian in prayer now and being at the presence of the Holy Spirit, His main object is to save somebody. Get somebody saved. Now, while we have our heads bowed, everybody praying now for each other. Almost persuaded now to Wait.
Won't you come while we're waiting now? Now, if you're not under the blood of Christ, how could you stand and see the work of God being told from the Bible, being made manifest here among us, and then walk away without knowing it? Won't you come? We're inviting you now. Just once more while we hum it. All of us together. You think you don't know what you're thinking about? Certainly, I can see it right here. Don't doubt no more. Come while live in a flusterated way. Come be sure, because it might be too late tomorrow. This might be your last day on earth. Believe now and come, won't you? Now, with our heads bowed again, oh, everybody praying, every Christian now, God bless you, I'm praying with you, and pray that God will save you, heal you, and make you well, give you health and strength. find a more convenient day. A convenient, and this is, with this presence here who's knowing even what you're thinking. Our Heavenly Father, for your presence, we are thankful. In this little arena here tonight where basketball perhaps is played and drills of the army, you're also drilling and training soldiers tonight, Lord, of the great Salvation Army of God. Drilling them in faith to believe as to go out of here as real soul winners that will get on the phone and ring the neighborhood and get the people in. Bring them in, those who are not Christians, those who are sick and afflicted. Father, I pray that every person that comes into this room that's sick or afflicted will be healed. And every sinner that passes through these doors will have no peace at all until they come to you. That every believer that comes in these doors will be baptized with the Holy Ghost. And great signs and wonders might be done, Lord. We thank you, Lord. After 2,000 years, we see the infallible proof that we can still see Jesus. He's appearing in our midst just before His coming. He's making His appearance in His church. The last sign that He did before the Jews, and He was finished with them. The last sign that He's given before the Gentiles is finished. It's being showed. We know that was the last sign that Abraham got before Sodom burned. It's the last sign... We realize that the ministers is out there in Sodom tonight, big revivals going on through Chicago and across the world, great signs and wonders are taking place, ministers, 
preaching, crying their hearts out. Pastors are pleading and begging. Great wonders being done by the Holy Ghost throughout the world. Healing, signs, wonders. God, you never send these things. You never send a judgment before first you send warning. And we see that the warning signal is down. The red lights are flashing. Oh, God, may men and women be concerned about one another. May they be concerned about this onward generation of people is perishing, going out from the way here without knowing God or dying sin. And oh, how, what a horrible thing it'll be that day when they hear the weeping and wailing. There'll never be another opportunity they'll ever see. Father, if the president come to this city tonight, the flags would be up. The flowers would be strolled through the streets and, and there'd be a great big celebration. But Lord, you come to the city in the form of the Holy Spirit. And oh God, you have to seek and pull and beg and persuade for people to get ready to go to heaven. What a day that we're living in, Lord. We pray now that your great mercies will continue with us. Bless these ministers and their churches. Oh God, kindle an old-fashioned revival in every one of them, Lord until the revival fires burn throughout the valley. Grant it, Father. We are your servants. Receive us. Forgive us of our slow, our hostility, but forgive us, Lord, of our negligence. We pray that you'll just forgive us and help us as we journey on. May the Spirit each night come deeper and stronger each night. Greater signs and greater miracles perform before us night after night, Lord, until the people, it'll be irresistible to them. And we know, Lord... That you said in your word, all the Father has given me will come. And when that light flashes across that predestinated seed, something takes place. Like that poor little adulterous woman that we spoke of tonight. She was sick and tired of the way they were doing. As far as we know, she belonged nowhere. But she had been foreseen by God. And as soon as she seen that light flash, even in face of the priest of that day who didn't know what it was... Like the blind man, when he received his sight, he said, It's a strange thing. You're the leaders of the day, and yet you know not whence this man comes, and he does these things. Lord, so is it today. I pray that you'll stir us, Lord. Oh, God, shake us, for this is a closing hour. Grant it, Lord. We commit to you now all things for the kingdom of God's sake. In Jesus' name, amen. Till we meet, till we meet, till we meet. Now, your pastors here will take this service over from here. I'm hoping to see you tomorrow night. Come early, get your prayer cards, and get lined up for the service tomorrow night. Praise Brother Pastor.